0: Can't Wait for Christmas is a proud member of the Christmas Podcast Network. Check out all the shows on the network at christmaspodcastnetwork.com.
1: Hey buddy, what you doing? Is it Christmas yet? No, sorry, not yet. I can't wait for Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait for Christmas either. In fact, let's celebrate now. (laughs) <laughs> Welcome to the Can't Wait for Christmas Podcast! It's March 25th, 2021, and that means there's nine months left until Christmas. Today on the show, we'll explore the Christmas party staple, the White Elephant Gift Exchange. We'll also take a listener suggestion and list the top five Christmas songs from Lorena McKinnon. Continue the 2020 Yum with a recipe for Christmas meatballs, and we'll hear your thoughts on attending fictional Christmas celebration in this month's edition of Season's Musings. Okay, let's start the show. Welcome, Yule Believers! Spring is in the air, which means there's only three season changes left until Christmas. I hope you're all doing well and finding ways to keep your Christmas spirits up. I know I was feeling a little down the other day when I forced myself to slog through the four hours of that pretentious mediocrity that is the Snyder Cut of Justice League, so I turned it off for a bit and cranked up my Pandora Christmas station. Not only did it cheer me up, I discovered two songs I'd never heard before. So, as usual, Christmas makes anything better, which is why we usually start our episodes with a segment where we add. A little yuletide joy to our lives In the present Or to put it another way We need a little Christmas Now We need a little- If this is your first episode of 2021 then you might not know i've declared 2021 to be 2020 yum so every need a little christmas now tip this year will be for a recipe for some christmas goodness that you can whip up to get some christmas straight into your rum pum tummy today we're gonna make a batch of christmas meatballs now, I was not aware this is a thing either, but I found this at a atasteofhome.com. I think this will be sure to give you a hit of Christmas flavor anytime and make you a big hit when you bring these as an appetizer to your next Christmas potluck. All right, here are the ingredients you'll need for the meatballs. Two large eggs, lightly beaten. My favorite instruction, lightly beaten. Uh, one envelope of onion soup mix, half a cup of seasoned breadcrumbs, a fourth a cup of chopped dried cranberries, two tablespoons of minced fresh parsley, one and a half pounds of lean ground beef. They recommend 90% lean. Now, for the sauce, you'll need one can, 14 ounces, of whole berry cranberry sauce, three-fourths of a cup of ketchup, a half a cup of beef broth, three tablespoons brown sugar, three tablespoons finely chopped onion, two teaspoons of cider vinegar. All right, once you've assembled all your ingredients, it says to put the eggs, onion soup mix, breadcrumbs, chopped cranberries, and the parsley in one big bowl. Then, add the beef and mix it, quote, lightly but thoroughly. That's specific. Then roll this concoction into little balls about an inch in diameter. Then it says you should microwave them covered in wax paper. It specifies you should use a microwave-safe plate, but I assume you're smart enough not to put an iron skillet in the microwave. It says to do this with a third of the meatballs for two to three minutes, and then repeat with the next third, and then again with the final third. And then you drain them on paper towels. Now it's sauce-making time! Take all those sauce ingredients, mix them together in a microwave-safe bowl, cover that bowl, and put it in the microwave for three to four minutes, but stop and stir it halfway through that. Then, add the meatballs in, stir in the sauce, and put them back in the microwave for another one to two minutes. Now, you may have noticed this recipe uses an awful lot of microwave. Now, the reason I think that is is because they assume you're making this while also making Christmas dinner at the same time, so they assume the stove and the oven are all gonna be busy. But if you're just making these for whenever, you could definitely use the stovetop or the oven. In fact, there were some comments that explained how they did that in the comment section of this particular recipe, which I will link for you at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. And now, if you try this recipe, why don't you take a photo of it, throw it up on Instagram, and tag us? We are at Can't Wait for Christmas Pod. Love to see how this works out for you guys. And now it's time for our countdown feature: Five Golden Things. Bye. it's March and St. Patrick's Day was just a little over a week ago. So I wanted to do a five golden things that had a little bit of Celtic feel as a nod to our Irish friends. If only I could find a Canadian artist whose music has a Celtic theme. That's where listener Lauren comes in. She sent me this email a while back. I love, love, love Christmas music and all the features on the show fill my headphones with both delightfully nostalgic tunes and newfound favorites. Nevertheless, I'm quite surprised that over the last few years, not one mention has been given to the astounding Lorena McKinnett. I grew up listening to her beautiful Celtic Middle Eastern fusion music for Christmas, which I think is some of the most beautiful interpretations of classic carols and hymns. So, to remedy her absence, I present this 5 Golden Things submission, 5 Best Lorena McKinnett Christmas Songs. Now, I've been sitting on this email for far too long, mostly because I wasn't sure if Lauren was actually Lorena using a really obvious fake name. Turns out, though... Lauren is 100% legit. And originally, I didn't think I'd even heard of Lorena McKinnon before. Turns out, not only had I heard of her, I've heard some of her Christmas music specifically. In the Tim Allen movie, The Santa Claus, her song, The Bells of Christmas, plays when we first visit the North
0: Pole.
1: song. It has a very cinematic, John Williams-esque sound to it. It actually reminds me a bit of Han and Leia's theme from Empire Strikes Back. So I'm convinced. I'm ready to hear more. So let's count down the five best Lorena McKennett Christmas songs as selected by listener Lauren. Number five. The Seven Rejoices of Mary. The
0: first good joy that Mary had, It was the joy of love. The first rejoice that Mary had. To see you
1: upon I noticed right away that this sound is way different from the Santa Claus song. It's much more soft, intimate sound, and clearly I'm not exposed to enough Celtic music, because when I heard this, I immediately imagined a movie, like some sort of maritime adventure. I'm not saying it sounds like a Christmas sea shanty, but I... Did someone say Christmas sea shanty? No, imaginary listener, it sounds kind of like Kermit the Frog. Actually, yes, I technically I did say it, but I didn't mean that I wanted you to start singing. The cat is alone with our Christmas tree. Hey, hey, don't pull the tree down. Leave it Would you mo- stop that? This is Lorena McKennet's moment. Fine. In fact, let's read what Lauren had to say about this song. She says, I love this one because it emphasizes the relationship of Mary as a mother to Jesus. I think that's often lost when we talk about either of them, but her story was both similar to the many women around the world who have rejoiced and grieved with their children, and yet different because she was asked to raise the Son of God. Number four. Coventry Carol. For oh,
0: to preserve these
1: About this one, Lauren says, I love the lullaby-esque tune of this and the way it tells the Christmas story. And I totally agree with her. Lullaby-esque is exactly how I'd describe this. Again, totally different style from the Santa Claus tune, but a soft antidote to the frenzied energy that is often buzzing inside us around the holidays. It's good to just chill and really reflect on, as they say, the reason for the season. Number three. Good King Wenceslas. Good
0: King Wenceslas. round the boat Deep and crisp and deep Brightly shone the moon
1: the energy on this one. It feels like it comes from a celebration in days gone by. The orchestration in this is just fantastic. And for further background, Lauren had this to say. This was apparently based on a 13th century dance tune, and darned if Wikipedia doesn't have the craziest section on the controversy that this caused. But I love how cheery it sounds. Number two. The Holly and the Ivy. All the trees in the wood, holly bears the This feels like the song in a Disney movie where things have gotten sad. Like our princess has had some setbacks and maybe her sidekick got squashed or something. I don't know. This feels sad. Is the Holly and the Ivy typically a sad song? I didn't think so. But this feels sad. Not bad. Just sad. I don't know. Maybe Lauren can phrase it better. She says... This piece is a bit unusual as a Christmas hymn because it's so haunting. I think it's rare to hear such ethereal tones. This one probably conjures up more Lord of the Rings images than Christmas ones, but I love the imagery for Christ throughout it, even if it tends more to the morose side. I'm not sure why the Ivy never gets a shout out of the lyrics, but my Wikipedia searching suggests it's meant to represent Mary.
2: Honorable
0: Mentions
1: Snow Lauren says, it's a song called Snow. I love snow. How could I not love this one? Fair enough, Lauren. Fair enough. Number one. God rest ye, merry gentlemen. When Lauren sent me these, they were actually in reverse order. She started with this one and counted up to number five. So this was the first one I heard. And that's when I was like, oh, I have to take some time and do a deep dive into this and listen to all these. It's totally worth it. There's so much going on here. Sadly, I kept not having time to do said deep dive, which is why it's taken so long for me to get to this email. Sorry, Lauren. But let's read what you had to say about this one. This song has consistently been one of my favorite Christmas songs since I was a young girl. The introduction starts with a classical Arabic vocalization called "Abdeli" and drum solo, which is a beautiful homage to Christ's birth in Palestine that holy night. Note to Tim, if you play a sound clip, please play time 0 to 1 minute 25 seconds to fully capture the style and Lorena's voice. I know it's long, but it's totally worth it. Also, the rest of these songs you can assign ranks as you like, but this one's non-negotiable number one for me. Simply my favorite and the best. And please make it number one, smiley face emoji. Well, Lauren, I did make it number one, but I didn't play the full minute and a half clip. But I can circle back for that Abdeli intro for you. good mix with the Celtic and the Arabic flavor in there, it is definitely, it makes it a much more interesting carol. And that's why I was like, yes, I need to do this for a top five list. It's totally worth it. And I'm glad I did. I'm just sorry it took so long. Thanks again, Lauren. And if you've got any five golden thing list ideas, please send them to me at Christmas tancast.com. I will do my best to not leave you hanging for a year like I did to poor Lauren. Now it's time to update a story we talked about exactly three years ago today in a segment we call, All I Want for Christmas is News. Baby, all I want for Christmas is news. Yeah, give me that news, baby. 2017, Toys R Us went into bankruptcy and had to close all its US stores by 2018. Then, in 2019, the stores chain's former chief merchant bought the rights to the store and secured a distribution deal with Target and even reopened two stores. But sadly, that deal fell apart and those two stores closed. But don't count this intellectual property out yet a brand management company has bought the rights to toys r us babies r us and jeffrey the giraffe and they are planning to open toys r us stores before this holiday season we'll file that under i'll believe it when i see it but we'll keep you up to date with the latest developments here at the can't wait for christmas news desk and now it's time for a word for one of the other podcasts in the christmas podcast network do you like podcasts about christmas Uh Uh-huh. Do
3: you like podcasts about movies?
4: Uh Uh-huh. Well, we have a podcast for you. I'm intrigued. I'm John.
3: And I'm Ben. And we're the hosts of Santa by the Minute.
4: The only podcast
1: that breaks down 1985's Santa Claus movie one minute at a time.
0: The holiday classic starring John Lithgow. It certainly should be. <laughs> Dudley Moore. Isn't it elf explanatory? I'm an elf. An elf? Yes. And David Huddleston. Hold on tight, and don't worry. You'll be as safe here as you are in your own home.
1: You won't want to miss as Ben and I talk about one minute of the movie every single week. Stop! Are you insane? We post a brand new episode every Wednesday, and every episode is... For free! So today we're going to talk about a popular Christmas tradition, the White Elephant Gift Exchange.
2: But I'd like to have an elephant for Christmas, maybe Santa you can find a way. I'd like to have an elephant for Christmas, maybe Santa you can find a way.
1: So Goofy's odd Christmas wish notwithstanding, this doesn't really have anything to do with actual elephants. It's a game where everyone brings in one wrapped gift and then one at a time gifts are chosen and opened, but people have the option of stealing a gift that has already been opened or choosing a new gift that hasn't been opened yet. But why is it called the White Elephant Gift Exchange? Well, some think it's based on the fact that in many South Asian countries like Thailand, the white elephant is considered sacred. If a monarch owned one, it was a sign that they reigned with justice and power and that the kingdom was blessed with peace and prosperity. And there were laws that said white elephants couldn't be used for work. So if you were gifted a white elephant, it was supposedly a blessing and a curse. Because on one hand, if you got one, it was a sign that you could point to that you were on the monarch's list of favorite peeps. But on the other hand, you couldn't put the thing to work, it's expensive to maintain, and you couldn't sell it or re-gift it. So people think that's where the term white elephant came to be referred to as a gift. That isn't worth it kind of thing. But there is evidence that anyone of that era gifted a white elephant would not have seen it as a burden. Another possible origin for the term is when P.T. Barnum, famous for not being nearly as handsome or as good a singer as Hugh Jackman, made a big deal of promoting that he was bringing white elephants to London. But when the audiences saw them, they were quite underwhelmed because it turns out white elephants aren't as white as you're picturing. They're kind of a light gray. So somehow that morphed into a term for an unimpressive gift. And that's the thing about white elephant gift exchanges, you don't have to break the bank. Initially, they were supposed to just be re-gifts, like some random thing you didn't want anymore. You'd wrap it up and try to get rid of it at the gift exchange. But by and large, people seem to buy something new for these white elephant things. Often, the organizer will set a dollar amount that you can't go over, so that way everyone is spending a reasonable amount. Wait, wait, wait! What is it now? You're jumping too far ahead. You're talking about spending limits, Thailand, Hugh Jackman, but you didn't actually explain how a white elephant gift exchange works. Right! Right. I, I assumed everybody already knew how these work. If you assume everybody already knows about them, then what's the point of this segment? Good point. Okay, let's go through it. So, you pick a time and a place for people to show up with their gifts. These type of things are pretty popular with office parties. Oh, man. Remember office parties? Sorry. Anyway, you set the rules. Are people expected to buy something new, or are you re-gifting? If buying new, set a dollar amount. Then, on the day of the party, everyone shows up with their gift wrapped... All the gifts get put into a pile. Then you count up the gifts and put numbers in a hat. Everybody draws numbers and that's the order you go in. The first person grabs any present and opens it so that everyone can see. Then the second person can either steal that present or unwrap another one. If they steal the present, the person that the present was stolen from gets to grab a new present. Then the third person goes. They can grab a new present or steal a present from one of the first two. If they do, the person they stole from can either steal from the other person or pick a new gift, and it continues like that until all the gifts are open. Now, there are usually some additional rules, like a gift can't be stolen more than once per turn, like you can't steal it and then steal it right back, because then the turns would take forever because everybody would keep stealing the Blu-ray copy of Weekend at Bernie's. Then there are the rules of three, like no more than three steals per turn, so after three people have had their present stolen, the third person has to open up a new present or the same person can't have their gift stolen more than three times over the entire game. So if Julia from the sales team gets three of her presents stolen, whatever she gets to replace that third time is hers for the rest of the game. There's also a rule where the same gift can't get stolen more than three times. So if you're the third person to grab that Weekend in Bernie's, you're golden, baby! Then there's the rule that the first person to draw gets the option to steal any gift at the end. You can play with any or none of these rules, but you might want to put up some limits on your game or else it can take a while. And if you really want to play by the book, there's a website, WhiteElephantRules.com, that really breaks it down for you. But what is a good gift to get for a white elephant gift exchange? Now we're getting into the nuts and bolts of it, because the whole reason I mentioned the possible origins of the name is to give context to what kind of gift is expected. Basically, not a great one. Nobody goes to a white elephant gift exchange thinking they're going to go home with a PlayStation 5. The whole idea is to get gifts that are kind of weak. But you want your gift to get stolen, or at the very least, get a good laugh. So you really want it to be so bad it's good. So here are a few tips I've learned and or read in my many years of dancing with the legendary white elephant. First off, don't bring an actual white elephant. You'll be tempted to bring a stuffed white elephant or a painting of a white elephant, and you'll say, isn't this funny? I literally got a white elephant. And it will be mildly amusing in the moment until someone is driving home with it thinking, what am I supposed to do with this thing now? I have no white elephant needs in my life that this thing can fill. You can play it safe and go with the kitschy, cheesy gifts that everyone's heard of. Your Chia Pets, your Snuggies, your shake weights. anything you've ever seen a commercial for and gone, why does this product exist? This is why. 90% of the sales of those products go to white elephant gift exchanges. I don't have the facts to back me up, but I believe that that's true. Then another category of gift is your novelty clothing or accessories. No one needs a silly hat or socks with a wacky print on them, but if you're just giving it away, sure, I'll take it. Gift cards. Sometimes when you give a gift card, you may worry you're not putting enough thought into your gift. But for a white elephant, you can get away with just chucking a $20 Starbucks gift card in there. I bet it'll even get stolen more than once. But I'm telling you, whoever opens that stuffed white elephant is stuck with that thing for the rest of the game. And then there's booze! Now, this is not a thing I'm into. I don't drink. But I don't judge anybody who does. It's just not my thing. Alcohol just Makes me tired, and it turns out I get tired every day for free. But a nice bottle of wine or some obscure artisan handcrafted locally sourced microbrew is a safe bet when you know some of your crowd are drinkers. But I'll tell you the biggest secret life hack for white elephant gift exchanges— get a present that you wouldn't mind taking home because there's usually not a rule against taking your own gift. And if the options are looking pretty bleak, you can always steal your own gift as a last resort. That's how I got my DVD copy of Scrooge. So then you just bought yourself a copy of Scrooge. What was the point of the White Elephant Gift Exchange? It was fun to see if I could find something else, and I almost had a framed picture of York. but when that got stolen from me, I grabbed Scrooge, and everybody had a good laugh, because really, isn't the real white elephant the friends we made along the way? What? I'm trying to say the white elephant was inside us the whole time. Stop it. You miss 100% of the white elephants you don't take. That's it. I'm out. Well, I guess I'm out too, out of this segment anyway, but I hope you've enjoyed this closer look at the White Elephant Gift Exchange. Got any great stories of good or bad gifts from a white elven exchange? Send them to us at christmas at tancast And speaking of things you've sent in, let's hear some of your latest Seasons Musings! Please. Seasons Musings coming through, can't wait to hear the thoughts sent in by you. This is a new segment for 2021 where I ask you thought provoking Christmas questions and you send in your answers for us to hear on the show. The question I asked last time was, what holiday movie's Christmas celebration would you like to have attended? It's a good question. There's a lot of good parties out there in those Christmas movies. Let's see what you had to say. Once again, Chris
2: was the first to send his in. Hey Tim, this is uh, Chris Kringle here from Kringle Talks Football once again. Um, The Christmas celebration I would like to be a part of would probably have to be just after Santa Claus delivers all the presents in the film Fred Claus and then... Fred Claus with his seven foot self and all the elves having this big Christmas party, big Christmas celebration with everybody, um, I would have loved to have been a part of that just a because it was an epic film, and I love that film so much. Yeah, probably that one. you know, side note for the confirmed Christmas film Die Hard." That would have been a pretty epic party too, not until all the guns started coming up. But yeah, Fred Claus Christmas party, 100%. Thanks, Chris.
1: Confession time. I've never actually seen Fred Claus. No good reason either. I just haven't gotten around to it. But I assume that'd be a fun party based on your description. But Die Hard? I would give that party a pass. I know it turns out okay for most everyone at the party, but that's still too stressful for me. Next up, another returning season's musing champion,
4: Jonathan. Hey, Tim. This is Jonathan checking in again from Portland, Maine and the Christmas celebration that I would most like to be a part of stay with me on this one is Home Alone but specifically the party made up of just Kevin um, and the, the train with the Michael Jordan standee and the dress form on the turntable I feel like uh, I would this would be the party for me uh, first of all I'm an intense introvert so I don't want to go to a party full of people Uh, I'm a pretty crafty guy, so I feel like I would have a lot of fun building all of those cool, like, inventive things to make it look like there was a cool party going on. Uh, I could set up the train set with Kevin. Um, also, it seems like, from the prior scene, there's at least half a bag of Crunch Gators left, and that's all it really takes to get me to a party, is, uh, is plenty of food. So that's what I'm sticking with. I'm sticking with the party with no one in it, um, from Home Alone. And that's all I got to say this month. I'm excited about this segment, and I'll be checking in next month as well. Um, Keep up the great work. Uh, Everybody stay safe out there. That's all. Bye.
1: Congrats, Jonathan. That is a unique answer, but also kind of relatable. Sometimes I just want to hang out, build something elaborate and fun while eating. Way to think outside the box. Next up, we have Matt. Hi, my name is Matt. I'm from San Jose, California, but right now I'm living in Kiev, Ukraine. Uh, the party I would most like to attend would be from the very first Simpsons episode, Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire. Um, it's the episode where they first introduce Santa's Little Helper. I really just like dogs, and I think dogs are a great addition to any party. And also, I really miss that era before cell phones. I'm always a little bit disappointed when I see you know, uh, my younger cousins on a cell phone or something during a Christmas party. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I love your podcast, Keep Up the Good Work, and thank you, yeah. Nice, Matt. Another outside-of-the-box answer, and I love it. I, too, love dogs, and I love The Simpsons. That said, I'm just like your cousins, and I'm constantly on my phone. Sorry. Got another season's muser. It's Christina. Hello, Tim. Well, it's not Christmas without watching Like Christmas with Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye. And I would very much like to go to the dinner party at the end of that movie. Thank you, Christina. Short and sweet and a great choice. Who wouldn't want to spend Christmas with Bing Crosby? Hey, does somebody call me? No, alleged ghost of Bing Crosby. We're just doing season's musings, and Christina said she'd like to attend the party at the end of White Christmas. Well, tell her she's officially invited, baby. How? The movie was decades ago, and you're a ghost, and you haven't been on the show in so long, people probably forgot you were a character on here. Oh, so you're saying I should be on a little more often? No, I'm saying we should move along to our last season's muser, Justin.
2: Hey Tim, this is Justin in Nashville, big fan of the show. I guess the Holiday Movies Christmas celebration I would have loved to have attended was the one from White Christmas. Just being in that lodge watching the Christmas show and singing along while seeing all the snow in the countryside in the background would have just been an absolute perfect way to celebrate Christmas. Thank you so much for everything you do in bringing Christmas to us all year. Can't wait for the next episode, and can't wait for Christmas.
1: Sounds like the people want more Bing, baby. No, he just recognizes the joy of White Christmas. Thank you for that, Justin, and thank you to everyone who sent in answers to last month's question. And if you want to get in on this, I've got your chance right here with our next question. Now, originally, the card I picked from my Question Guys Christmas chat pack was, which of these would be the most difficult to give up? Christmas lights, Christmas music, or Christmas parties. And that was a tough one. But then I realized, I don't want to give anything up. And that's my podcast, so I can pick another card if I want to. So I did. And the new, happier question is, when does it really start feeling like Christmas to you? Now there, Now, there are no rules here. It could be a date, it could be a change in the weather, a certain event that just kicks it off for you. Me, personally, I think it's when the tree goes up. We usually spend a good while picking out ornaments, listening to Christmas music, and the house just feels Christmassy from then on. But enough about me, what about you? This segment is about you. Record your answer on your phone or your laptop and email it to me at christmas at tancast.com. That's christmas at T A N Cast. Dot com, And you can hear yourself on the next episode. And just to make sure they don't get angry at me, if you'd like to get this deck I'm using for this segment, there's a link in the show notes so you can grab your own Christmas chat pack. And the jingle for this segment featured Deck the Halls by Kevin McLeod, which was used under Creative Commons 3.0 attribution license. And that's our show. Thank you so much for letting me inject a little Christmas into your springtime. By the time you hear me again, Disneyland will have reopened. Doesn't really affect our podcast or Christmas, but good news is good news. Stay safe out there. Check the show notes for the Christmas Meatball Recipe, a YouTube playlist of Lorena McKinnon's Christmas songs, and the White Elephant Rules. Also, don't forget to send in your best or worst white elephant stories and your season's musings about when it starts to feel like Christmas to you. All right, see you April 25th. And until then, Yule Believers, keep laughing all the way. ¶¶ And that was Christmas, 1983. Actually, Dad, it's 2021. Oh.
3: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, aka iTunes, and email us about it at Christmas at TanCast.com, we'll send you a free Can't Wait for Christmas sticker. If you'd like to see the show notes or leave a comment on this or any other episodes, you can go to our official website, cantwaitforchristmaspod.com. While you're there, you'll find a link to our official Zazzle store where you can grab customizable t shirts, ornaments, stickers, and all sorts of other Christmas themed items all year long. We'd love to connect with you on social media. On Facebook and Instagram, we are Can't Wait for Christmas Pod. And on Twitter, we are at ChristmasPod. We wish you a Merry Christmas was performed by the United States Marine Corps Band. And this amazing version of Jingle Bells on the accordion was performed by the wonderful and talented Christian Nowicki. All other music and sounds used in this episode are the properties of their individual copyright holders, and they are used for purposes of commentary and review. No infringement is intended. Okay, boys, did I forget anything? God bless us, everyone. Merry Christmas!
1: Welcome, Yule Believers! Sorry! Oh, oh, puberty! It's really getting to me! Welcome, Yule Believers. Spring is in the air, which means there's only three season changes left until Christmas. Wait, three? Spring to summer. Summer to fall. Fall to winter. All right, that checks out. (laughs) I guess I did fact check this when I wrote it. I don't have to fact check it again when I say it. Four tablespoons minced fresh parsley. I have never gotten fresh parsley in my life. Like they sell it in the store, in the little spice rack thing. That is what I use. And that is what I will continue to use. You can put fresh in the recipe all you want. I'm never buying it fresh. Because when I heard this, I immediately imagined a movie like a, a, a space, a spice maritime adventure, a spice I just wrote this before I started recording, like this particular sentence. Like, I just wrote it, and I don't know why Spice Maritime Adventure is what I meant. I know I, I, know I meant maritime, because it set me up for the transition to sea shanty, but spice? Why is spices in there? Spice, what could I have meant? Un- like, even, like, if you know me, my handwriting is bad, but apparently even my typing is so bad I can't figure out what I'm doing.